this morning, we want to focus on uh, on Jesus, on Jesus and, this, and the words he has for us here in this parable in Matthew chapter 25. You know, the idea of anticipation and expectation. We've been looking forward and anticipating this day when we could actually gather some folks together in this room again um, for a while. And uh, we look forward even more to the day when we can gather under more normal circumstances. Um, you know, in a normal year... Uh, the month of May is a month that's filled with expectation and looking forward to things and, and this idea of anticipation. Uh, you've got, um, for all of you kids who are here or watching online, you know what you wait for at the end of May, right? The end of the school year. <laughs> to get out of school and have summer vacation. Um, that's one thing. Another thing, if you're a senior, if you're graduating from high school or college, we celebrated you a week or two ago, um, but this idea of graduation, completing your education, and you look forward to it and you anticipate that. And in many cases, in high school, you've been waiting for 13 years since kindergarten. For engaged couples, the month of June is oftentimes a month of weddings. And so uh, some of you who got married in June, you probably remember that whole month of May building up to the wedding. All these expectations, all those things that we were expecting and anticipating, of course, have been a little different this year, right? Because of what happened uh, with, with the COVID and coronavirus. In the midst of the quarantine, these, these expectations uh, were a little different. Now, many of us, like I said, are looking forward to things getting back to more normal. No more masks, etc. This anticipation. Well, the story that Jesus tells us this morning that you just heard read uh, from Matthew 25, the story of the, the ten virgins, or some versions call it the ten bridesmaids, is a story that's all about expectation and anticipation and being ready for this big event. Jesus tells us a story about a wedding. And, you know, that's actually something across all cultures. Uh, it doesn't matter if it was ancient times, modern times, Eastern culture, culture Western culture, you name it. Uh, weddings are some of the most anticipated events in all of human history. And so when Jesus tells us this story, this parable, he understands uh, the anticipation that goes on with an event like a wedding. But here's the thing. He's talking about preparing for a wedding. But since this is a parable, he's talking about a lot more than a wedding. He's talking about something even greater. And that is preparing for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Preparing for the return of Christ. And so this morning, that's what we want to focus on as we kind of unpack this story for a few minutes. So if you will, let's just bow for a prayer one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And uh, we thank you for the chance that we have to hear his words this morning. Uh, help us to hear them and do them. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, we're, we titled the message this morning, The Return of the King. Uh, and it's this parable that's traditionally been called the parable of the ten virgins. And I want to talk uh, for a little bit about this. But the first thing you might see in your bulletin, if you have the, the bulletin in front of you, or if you printed it out online, if you're at home worshiping, the first statement there is that his coming will be... And then we're going to fill in the blanks about a couple of different things that Jesus tells us about what his coming will be like and what it's like to get ready for that. So his coming will be. But if you see that statement, I don't want us to move beyond this first statement too quickly, because really that's what this whole parable is about, is that his coming will be. It's going to happen. His coming is going to happen. A few weeks ago, we were uh, uh, earlier in Matthew looking at the parable of uh, the pearl of great price and looking at the parable of the great treasure uh, that the man found. And Jesus said at the beginning of those parables, he said, um, the kingdom of, God, of heaven is like 
When we get to these parables here at the end of Matthew, we see a little shift. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven will be like. Um, and so what we see is Jesus saying the kingdom is already here because the king is here. Jesus came uh, and he is here. But guess what? The kingdom is not complete yet. So the kingdom will be one day like what he's describing here at the end of Matthew. And so we want to take note of that and look at what uh, the kingdom will be look, will be like. And so Jesus does this by telling us this story about a wedding. And uh, if you look at these verses at the, in chapter 25, it says that the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So we have to stop just for a minute and talk a little bit about weddings during Jesus's day. And the reality is nobody actually knows exactly what a wedding was like in Jesus's day because none of us actually attended one of those weddings. Right. Um, but through research, we kind of know some things. And it looks like probably what would happen is the groom would go with all his groomsmen or his uh, uh compatriots, whatever, and they would go over to the house of the bride and there'd be some kind of a ceremony there where it would almost be like the wedding. And then they'd get back together and, and have like a big processional all the way back to the house of the groom where they would have the big party, the big, uh, the big reception, if you will. And sometimes these receptions would last up to a week. Uh, in John chapter, uh, I think it's John chapter four, where Jesus turns water into wine. Um, you see one of those wedding celebrations happening. So, uh, we think that's what's happening. The, the ceremony's already happened and now the wedding party is coming back to the house of the groom for the big party. And so it tells us the story about these 10 virgins, these 10 bridesmaids, these 10 young women who were part of the wedding party who now have come back and they're waiting for the, for the rest of the wedding, especially waiting for the groom to arrive to start the celebration. So that's kind of what's going on here uh, in this story. But what we see in these first six verses, um, if you kind of look at the context of this parable, is that as they're waiting for this groom to arrive, uh, it turns into what we would call a long time, a long wait, a longer time than what they expected. Um, and so uh, verses 1 through 6 kind of show us this. As they're sitting there waiting, the bridegroom, verse 5, was delayed, and they all became drowsy, and they slept. So he was so late, and he was so uh, behind schedule that they actually fell asleep. Now, a little word about the context here, okay? Matthew 24 and 25, again, this is Jesus teaching about the end of time and, it, and about his second coming. And so uh, in chapter 24, we see two parables that come right before this parable. And all of these parables have to do with the second coming of Christ, the coming of the Son of God, the coming of, of God's kingdom. And there's, it's an amazing thing that uh, a couple things I want to point out here is that, number one, Matthew 24 and 25 really, really, really emphasize that Jesus is going to come back at an unknown time. So we call it a long time. You could also call it an unknown time. People don't know how long it's going to be. And so how do we know that? Uh, listen to how many times Jesus says the word you don't know when it's going to be. Verse 36 of chapter 24. But concerning that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the son, but the father only. No one knows. Verse 39, and we could talk more about that verse. That's a big question of how does Jesus not know it? I'd be happy to talk to you about that afterwards, but we're not going to uh, talk about that right now. So verse 39 uh, says again, and they were all unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. He gives the example of people in Noah's day uh, when Noah said the flood's coming, the flood's coming, and nobody knew when it was going to happen. So they just kind of said, eh, it's not going to happen until the day it happened. And then it came and swept them away. They were unaware, it says. Verse 42, therefore stay awake 
for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Verse 44, therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then verse 50, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour that he does not know. And it goes on to finish that parable. So we have all these statements that Matthew is really just trying to drive home. Jesus is trying to drive home that no one knows the day he's going to come back. It's going to be a long time. It's going to be an unexpected amount of time. Nobody knows the day he's going to come back. So don't miss that. And the other thing that we notice with the two parables that come before this, there are two of them. And the first one is the, the thief in the night. This is in verses 42 through 44. And, and so he says the coming of the Son of Man is going to be like a thief in the night. Now, the funny thing is, if, if uh, let's look at these verses. It says, Theref, uh, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming when you do not expect. Think about it. If someone was going to burglarize your house, right, uh, and they called you and said, left you a voicemail and said, hey, I uh, just want you to know I'm going to be there at 1.30 a.m. to break into your house. I uh, just want to let you know. And then they sent you a follow-up text just to make sure you got the message. How successful do you think they'd be? Not at all, right? You'd be expecting them. You'd call the cops. You'd be ready for them when they came. Uh, but Jesus says it's not going to be like that when I come back. It's going to be at a time when nobody expects. So totally unexpected, like a thief in the night. You can't be ready for something like that. So the first parable is... His coming will be totally unexpected. Look at the next one, verses 45 through 51. This talks about two servants. And the master goes away and he leaves these two servants in charge. And one does a good job, one does a bad job. And then he comes back and the second one is so shocked that he's doing everything wrong. And and the master basically brings him under judgment for what he's done. In other words, that second parable, uh, the master comes back a lot sooner than what the servants expected. But when we get to this third parable... Jesus comes a lot later than what the people expect. The bridegroom comes a lot later than what we think he's going to. So uh, it's interesting to me how Jesus tells these three parables that in some ways it's going to be at a time when no one expects. For some, it's going to be at a time that's sooner than they expect. And for some, it's going to be much later than they expect. But the reality is in all three parables, the certainty is the same, that the Son of Man, that Jesus will come. He will come. But he tells us that in this story, uh, no one knows it's going to be unexpected. Uh, So really, these three stories kind of drive home the same point. We'll see this at the end of our story today. Jesus basically says, be ready. You don't want to be caught unready. So be ready. Uh, One author I read this week called it perpetual vigilance. Perpetual vigilance. That's a little bit of a tongue twister. Uh, Another author uh, said something like constant vigilance. Uh, is, is another way that somebody said it. But really what we have to talk about here with this first point is this idea of a long time uh, as we're waiting for the bridegroom to come back is we got to talk about the D word, don't we? The D word in scripture. Um, and the D word, uh, at least in this passage, comes in verse 5, as the bridegroom was delayed. So that's the big point that I think that we're seeing in the first part of this story is that the coming of Christ is delayed. Now, we all know as humans, uh, as Americans, but I actually think it's probably not just unique to Americans, 
We hate to be delayed, right? Have you ever been at an airport uh, back before they quit flying? Um, when you were at an airport and the, and you'd be looking at the screens and all of a sudden your flight would come up and it would say delayed two hours. Did you ever see anybody say, yes, I'm just so excited my flight's delayed and now I won't get home? Um, not unless you were about to miss a connection maybe. But, uh, but really, we never get excited about a delay. Another thing we just saw recently... Um, I think it was May 1st when the governor said we're probably going to lift the the stay at home uh, ban or the stay at home order. Well, then he said we're going to have to delay that until May 15th. How many of you were excited about that? Nobody. Um, We don't usually get excited about delays. And yet Jesus says here the coming of the Son of Man is going to be delayed. Well, why is that important for us to realize? I think it's because... uh, Christ wants us to realize that we need to live every day during the delay in light of that day that is coming. Live every day in light of that day. And so that's what he wants to see us to see. So with Christ coming, you know, the delay, as we see, uh, flip with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. Second uh, Peter chapter 3. So, so Peter in 2 Peter is actually talking about how if Christ doesn't come back, and again, remember, these guys in the New Testament are writing less than 100 years, less than 50 years after Jesus died, most of them. And so people are starting to wonder, now Jesus said he's coming back. Why has it been so long? It's been 30, 40, 50 years. Is he really going to come back? Um, and Peter says, guess what? A lot of people are doubting that he's going to come back. Uh, chapter 3, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Uh, it says this. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, they're saying, I've been alive all these years. Nothing's changed. I don't see Jesus coming back. I don't see it. I don't hear the cry. I don't hear the trumpet that that Paul talked about. It's not happening. Must not be true. But what does Second Peter say? Look at verse 8. I'm going to put this one on the screen. It says this. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. In other words, if you do the math on this, right, it's been 2,000 years since Christ uh, died, was resurrected and ascended into heaven. In God's time frame, that's like two days, like two days. Next verse, Second Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And that word repentance means turn to him. So as we're waiting through this season of waiting for Christ to come back, this long time that we're waiting... God says, I want you to turn to me. The reason I'm waiting so long is so that more people can turn to me. That's the purpose of this. So that more people can turn to me. Uh, Look at verse 5 again back in Matthew chapter 25. If we think about this, uh, it says, uh, we know it was a long time. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Now, a lot of people throughout church history have said, well, these, you know, they were very unwise to fall asleep like this and to be caught unaware by the, by the bridegroom. Well, actually, uh, you'll notice it says both the wise, wise virgins and the foolish ones both slept. In other words, this is normal life. Normal life's going on. They're doing what normal people do. They fall asleep when they get tired. They didn't do anything wrong here. Both the wise and the foolish fall asleep. 
The difference between them is that one group was prepared when the bridegroom showed up and the other group was not prepared. So verse 6, it says, uh, it says, at midnight there was a cry, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Um, that word cry actually is the same word that's used, uh, I think, in First Thessalonians where it talks about how the Lord shall return with a shout and with the sound of a trumpet. And so there's a, there's a connection here that the bridegroom comes with a cry and everybody shouts out, he's here, he's here, and it's time to get up and celebrate. You know, uh, my question for you is this. As we're sitting here in this long time between Christ's first coming and his promised second coming, I have to ask us, I have to ask myself is, what are you waiting for? Right? What are you waiting for? That's the question. And it's easy for us to get bogged down in the little things we're waiting for. Um, maybe, maybe waiting for reopening and for this virus to pass. Maybe we're waiting for a vacation and we're waiting on that. Um, those things are actually important, important events in life. But this passage, Jesus tells us this parable is that we are actually waiting for something far more significant than those, than the circumstances of life. And that is the return of the king. The bridegroom is coming back to be united with his church, with his bride, and we wait for that eagerly. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, this is kind of our theme verses that we've adopted as a church during this coronavirus time. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, uh, setting aside the sin that easily entangles, uh, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So as we wait for him, as we live during these days, live during this day, we live this day in light of that day. As we look forward to his coming. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the return of the king. The one who loves you and knows you. If you trusted him. But why is that important? Why is it important for us to talk about this delay? And why is it important for us to live this day in light of that day? Well, I think what we see is that that day, his coming, point number two, his coming will be a time of separation. And we see this in verses uh, 7 through 12. So when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a time of separation. Another word would be a time of judgment. Because when Jesus comes back, he is actually going to judge between those he knows and those he doesn't know. As we see with this story of, of the bridesmaids. Look at what happens with them. Um, verse 7. All the virgins rose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying... Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Now, a lot of people have talked about this, and, you know, as you're teaching your kids, right, if you read a parable like this, and and you've been trying to teach your kids that you're supposed to share your stuff, um, did these ten bridesmaids do the wrong thing by not sharing? Um, here's the thing. We're not trying to boil down every detail of the story, right? Most parables make one or two points. And the point that's being made is half of the bridesmaids were ready and half of them were not ready. Uh, and it wasn't up to the, to the ones who were ready, uh, to share what they had. And so, uh, it's not really a lesson on sharing, uh, kids, if you're watching this. Um, this is a lesson on being ready and being prepared. And also Jesus makes it clear that you cannot get into the wedding feast you cannot get into this to this eternal life based on someone else's 
spiritual preparedness. Does that make sense? You can only get in if you yourself are prepared. You can't ride on someone else being prepared like your parents or your grandparents or your family or your church. Your relationship with Jesus is the one thing that matters to whether you will be allowed into the wedding feast or not. So how does that look? It's going to be a time of separation. As we know in Scripture, um, if you know Jesus, if you've trusted him, we're going to talk about that in a second. If you're a believer, you're not going to be judged for your sins. Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you've trusted Jesus, your sins have been forgiven. So this time of separation and judgment will not be to separate you from God. Okay, we do know other places in scripture that God will judge our actions and give us rewards based on what we have or haven't done. Second uh, Corinthians five talks about this. Romans 14 talks about this. Um, but what Jesus is talking about in this passage is judgment for unbelievers. Those who do not know Jesus, who do not know the bridegroom will be shut out and not allowed into the kingdom. Judgment for unbelievers. And, and what do we see here? This will be a joyful time for some, uh, as you see in verses 7, uh, seven and 8. Um, the ones who have the oil are allowed in. They come in and join the feast. Uh, many of you have attended a wedding, right? Uh, and so after the wedding, usually you move over uh, to the reception. Maybe it's at another venue, and that's where the party starts. And so these bride, bridesmaids are allowed to go in and begin the celebration, a time of great joy. Again, there are a few things that go across all cultures as great celebrations, and weddings are one of them. Uh, and so this great celebration that the prepared bridesmaids get to go into, they get to enjoy the wedding feast. The very next parable that Jesus tells in chapter 25 is about the parable of the talents. Listen to what uh, Jesus says at the end of that parable in verse 23. Uh, he's talking to the faithful servant. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And that's exactly what these prepared bridesmaids, these prepared virgins get to do. They get to enter into the joy of the wedding feast, which is a picture of the kingdom of God in heaven forever and ever. If you know Christ, you will rejoice with him forever. And when he returns, you will be invited into that feast for all eternity, eternal life. Here's a well-known verse, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will not be shut out of that wedding feast. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be allowed in. It'll be a time of great rejoicing for those who know him. The next verse, John three seventeen. Again, this is talking about Jesus' first coming. It says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus came into the world not to bring judgment, his first coming. But he came to bring salvation. Salvation to anyone who will believe in him. Anyone is invited. Because see, he lived a perfect life. He died in our place. Even though he was not guilty and we are guilty, he died in our place. He was so dead that he was buried for three days. No doubt he was buried. And on the third day, he was resurrected again, which gives us the hope of eternal life. He conquered death and said, anyone who believes that I paid for your sins, 
Anyone who believes that can have eternal life and victory over the grave and victory over sin. And now he's seated at the throne at the right hand of God in heaven, awaiting his return. That's what we're waiting for is his return. If you have believed, you shall not perish, John 3.16 says. So it's a time of joy for some. But as the story tells us, this parable of the virgins, is it's a fearful time for others. A fearful time for others. In fact, there's really not an adequate word to put in there in that blank, is there? Uh, we could we could almost just put the word an unspeakable time, an indescribably bad time for others. Because you see what happens uh, to these um, unfaithful sir, uh, bridesmaids, it says, And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. And he wouldn't let them come in. And again, this is where kind of the parable ends and reality begins, because what uh, bridegroom would turn away guests who've been invited? Probably no one. But this is where Jesus makes a transition between reality and the point he's trying to make. Uh, that when people come to him and say, Lord, Lord, let us come in. If you did not know him, he cannot let you in. The door was shut to those who did not know him. They were shut out. As I said earlier, spiritual preparedness cannot be transferred from one person to another. And that's one lesson these bridesmaids learn. What we do see here, though, is not Jesus teaching that you can lose your salvation. Did you notice what he does not say? He says, here's what he says. Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. He doesn't say, I no longer know you, or I used to know you, but now I don't know you anymore. So this is not teaching that you can lose your salvation. In fact, Scripture teaches us the other, the otherwise, that if you've been saved, you are always saved. If you have truly trusted Christ, nothing can take that away. Nothing can separate you from the love of God if you've trusted him. A look at John 3.18. This is going back to John 3. Again, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Did you pick up on the key word in those verses in John 3? The key word is believe. If you believe, you will have this eternal life. And what does believe mean? Believe means that you trust, you rely completely on Jesus for your salvation, for your relationship with God. You know that there's nothing you can do on your own to earn this relationship with God. And so that is what these foolish bridesmaids did not do in the spiritual realm. Believe in Christ alone. The return of the king, his coming will be a fearful time for others. You know, this actually reminds me, going back to a couple weeks ago, the first week we talked about parables. We talked about the parable of the sower and the seed. And this is a reminder, again, of something that Jesus hinted at earlier. When he was talking about the, the different types of soil, Matthew 13, let me show you a picture here. It talks about the seed that does not take root. And when the sun came, because it didn't have a root, didn't have true faith, it was scorched by the sun and the wind. 
Matthew 13, 5 and 6, it says, Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. They were shut out. They were turned away. Jesus' explanation again here in verse 20 of Matthew 13, he says, As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. See, what we see in the parable of the sower and the seed, again, is someone who does not truly receive Christ by faith. It might look like they did. In fact, some people even say they did. But true faith is trusting in Christ alone. It's not just reciting words. It's your heart trusting in God alone, not in your own self, and realizing that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. A fearful time. You know, verses 11 and 12, we just read those. Don't be like those foolish bridesmaids. Be prepared for the coming of Christ. Be prepared for his coming. They are shut out, the door is closed, and it will never reopen. And we talk about the time of Christ's coming. His coming will be in the future. We don't know when. But we do know the time is coming. The time is coming. Therefore, be ready. Therefore, be ready. Verse 13, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Just like the bridesmaids who are sitting there waiting for the bridegroom to come. We are called to be ready and prepared for when Jesus returns to this world to take us home to be with him. And in this parable, being prepared means having the oil, having the lamp ready to go. But in your life, what we see in scripture, being prepared means having faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in him alone. So the question this morning, as you hear this parable, and Jesus wants us to ask this question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the return of the king? If he comes to you and says, do I know you? The answer needs to be yes, that you've trusted him. If you haven't trusted him, if you don't know him, if you don't have a relationship with him, and you're not even quite sure what that means, what we're talking about here, please talk to me or to Miguel or someone else that you know here. Um, We'd love to talk to you about this idea of knowing Christ, having a relationship with him so that you can know the bridegroom and be invited in when he returns. Trust him today. You know, Jesus, like a faithful groom, a faithful bridegroom, wants to love you and cherish you forever. That's what he offers you is eternal love, eternal life. That's what he wants to do. So if you don't know him yet, trust him today. And if you do know him, the same thing is true. Be prepared. Live this this day in light of that day. Not prepared as if you could be judged uh, for a lack of faith. But be prepared to meet the one who died to set you free from sin. Be prepared by living this day in light of that day. Be prepared by sharing this good news that you have. You know, uh, when it comes to a wedding, right? Uh, for those of you who've gone through a wedding or about to go through a wedding, uh, you have to get your guest list together and decide who you're going to send out your invitations to. 
and you send them out to the select few. Well, guess what? This wedding feast, God tells us, I want you to invite as many people as you possibly can. No holds barred. Give that invitation to as many people as you possibly can. Friends, family, neighbors, people in this city, people around the world. Extend the invitation to this wedding feast to as many as you possibly can. God tells us that we are called to prepare to celebrate when the sun comes. But be prepared. And let's prepare to celebrate with as many others as we possibly can. uh, To make sure that the door is not shut as far as we can. So let's uh, let's close with prayer, uh, and I'm going to ask the praise team to come up as I as I pray, um, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna close with prayer and then sing a song together, and then we'll dismiss you if, if, if the end the back side of the room can exit first and just kind of go out that way again. Um, but think about this thing today again. Um, you had to take an extra step of preparation, right, to come here today to find a mask and wear a mask. Um, and Jesus is asking every single one of us not about our preparedness for COVID. He's asking us about our preparedness for the feast, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Are you prepared? Please don't leave here today until you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are prepared. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story, for this parable that you give us. Lord, I pray that you would use uh, this truth to impact our lives for all eternity. In your name we pray. Amen.